Mom Training Podcast with Diana Ballard. Okay, ladies, as you listen to this podcast right now, I want you to fall in love with Heather. She is going to be teaching us in mom training about using our resources in the best way possible. Home economics, your budgeting, being able to be wise with what you have in your pantry and in your bank account and what energy you have. It's going to be amazing. So make sure that you are in mom training for this session. As we come in, discuss, we're able to share the things that we're struggling with. We have Q&A, be able to communicate what your needs are. It is an absolute wonderful community to be a part of. So go to dianaballard.com to get in mom training to make sure you're in the session on June 8th as Heather teaches us about home economics and how to be a good manager of your home. Hey ladies, welcome to the Mom Training Podcast. Today we have Heather Campbell. She's a mom of three, a military spouse, and a registered dietitian. She's going to share with us a couple of very interesting things, specifically about, we're going to learn a little bit about military families and some of their struggles and some really interesting things that I had never known about before. And also she's going to teach us about budgeting and using our resources very wisely in our, our home and in our kitchen um, saving time in the kitchen. And so we're just really excited to learn from her today. So Heather, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. And I love um, getting an opportunity to talk with new people and to share my story, but also the story of other military families. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're living right now. I know you guys move around a lot being in the military, but tell us where you're at right now and a, a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yes, we, um, we are a military family. We do, uh, live sort of like nomads. We don't uh, put down roots for very long. We are currently outside of Fairbanks, Alaska, um, at Ileson air force base, and it's about 110 miles from the Arctic circle. So we are way up here. And, um, my husband and my boys are all from Florida. I happen to really love the South. So it's fun to be Southerners, you know, who are living like this Arctic, uh, lifestyle. No, it's not dark all the time. No, uh, there's not snow year round, but it is a decent part of our routine to have, you know, months of darkness. We are now entering the season of the midnight sun. So currently, um, our sun gets about 14 hours of daylight in the height of summer. Uh, we have 21 hours of daylight. So it's a very extreme place to live and we do move around a lot. Um, and we've been here for about a year. This is our second time here. So it's been really interesting to return to a place, especially the first time we were here uh, was a difficult season in, in our family. Uh, I can't imagine having to just uproot and move across country and sometimes two different countries just whenever the opportunity, like, do you get to choose when you move or do they, they station you at different places? We do get to have a say, but it's kind of the way of when you ask your two-year-old what they want for dinner. Right. And then they tell you, um, I don't know, Skittles. And you're like, cool. That's, that's not a a thing that we're going to give you for dinner. So that's kind of how I feel our preference sheet has gone. You know, they, they say, Hey, here's the available options. Which of these would you really like? And, you know, we say, we'd like this one, this one, and this one. And they go, actually, we're not giving you any of the ones that are on the sheet. Sorry about that. You're getting this other one. Uh, so some people have a lot of luck and it kind of depends on your job in the military. If you fly, say a specific plane or helicopter, you can only go where that 
aircraft is, right? Um, my husband is not a pilot, so we have a lot more opportunities and a lot more openings of different places we can go. Um, it's not common in his career field to repeat a base, especially a very small um, remote location like Ielsen. So it has been a really interesting journey to come here, uh, be told we were coming here once, and then to also be able to return uh, back to this community. Wow. That's amazing. I just can't imagine moving is not my favorite thing in the world. Being able to do you live really light. Like, do you have to keep things really simple if you're moving a lot? I mean, you, that would like make life so much easier. Yeah. That, if I was like a minimalist, that would be, that's a really great idea. I like that. Um, yeah. So I have a family of five. Um, and I would love to be a minimalist with a capsule wardrobe, but I am the only one of the five of us. And I am also the one who's in charge of re uh, homing each of our items. I, I physically put my hands on every single item we own every couple of years. So I have a tendency to get rid of lots of things or want to, and um, that's met with resistance from my children and my spouse. So I like where your head's at. I really like this living light idea, but it, it's not going to go well for my family. So no, it's, it's quite cumbersome. It's really annoying. And we do get to live amazing adventures, but also there's all of the burden of physically relocating, whether you relocate across town or to a, a completely new place, that's difficult in and of itself. But now with children who are getting older, um, breaking off relationships, mending, um, you know, their broken hearts, helping them integrate into a new place, uh, finding your new church and your new hairdresser and your new dentist and the new grocery store and learning the new grocery store layout and um, the new vet and the new boarding place for the dog. And, and where do I take my car for an oil change? And all of those things that you kind of take for granted that are your established norms. Well, for military families, we turn those over uh, quite frequently. So that's a lot of brain space. That's a lot of brain load to carry, which is why as a dietitian, I help families make meals easier because I'm living this life. My brain is overwhelmed frequently. Um, so I try to simplify things as much as I can. Otherwise I feel like I would probably be a crazy person. Yeah. I can't even imagine, you know, you going through that list of stuff, your whole support system, your babysitters, your, I mean, wow, that's, and that could be really hard for children, especially changing friends and stuff. Um, what are your kids ages? My kids are now, let's see, how old are they? My sons are eight and nine, and then my daughter will be six in the fall. So five, wow. eight, and nine, and really, really fun. And the first time we lived here in Alaska, uh, when we first moved here, my boys were one and two. And by the time we left, I had three under four. My oldest turned five just before we moved. So I was in this darkness, this remote location. It's very expensive. Our base is quite isolated. Um, and then I had these three babies who I had to you know, physically gear up. If any of you have had multiple young children, getting them in and out of their car seats is such a chore. Well, here you have to do it at negative 40 where you could die. Um, so, and you can't have a, a winter coat on in your car seat, right? So you're dealing with these fussy kids who are, you know, arching their back and not getting in the, in the car seat and you're, you know, shoving them down with your forearm, like get in the seat and you're freezing and shivering and trying to get them in and, and they're crying because they're cold. And you're like, just be still and I can cover you up with your coat. So that that's a whole part of life here. It's, uh, it's an adventure. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm glad that your kids are old enough now to buckle themselves in. <laughs> yes. Everyone, 
like, like we're in normal seat belts. My daughter's still in a booster, but everybody goes to the bathroom alone, except for me usually. And everyone showers alone, usually except for me. Um, but it's so great. I'm not in those baby years anymore. So I have a little bit more time now to actually kind of breathe and, and come up for air. And if any of you who are listening are in those little years, I assure you, um, peace and room to breathe is coming and it is so wonderful and you will appreciate it in a way that you never did before. And I will tell you, I'm just a couple years removed from the little years, but it's so glorious. It's, it's so good. Life is very good. That's awesome. So I love your, your focus. I, I love that you created a picture there for us of a little bit of what your lifestyle is like as a military family where you're uprooting, like all these things have to recreate, redecorate your house, figure out where everyone's stuff is going and how to make them feel at home. And that's a lot. Right. And so thank you for painting that picture. And I also love that you are trying to help military families to simplify their meals and also have the money to buy the food that they need. Now, why don't you share the statistic with me that you shared with about military families? This shocked me. And so I, I'm very interested in having you share that. Yes. So one thing that a lot of people don't realize there, there used to be a mindset and it was true decades ago that the military pays really well, right? It's a great way to, to um, make a lot of money that that's not how it necessarily is anymore. And currently um, the post pandemic numbers are one in five military families are struggling to put food on the table. Um, Not necessarily hunger, right? We're not talking about starving, but it's a term called food insecurity, which is an economic term, meaning they're not always confident of where the next round of food will go. Sometimes the money runs out before the next paycheck, the food runs out before the next paycheck, or they don't have enough to weather things like car repairs. You know, a $1,500 car repair knocks them out from being able to buy groceries for a while, things like that. And one of the things that contributes a lot with this nomadic lifestyle is that military spouses suffer from underemployment and unemployment at 10 times the national average. The national numbers hover around 4%. Military spouses are 40%. 40% of us would like to work and are unable to, um, which is a whole nother topic for another day, but that does contribute in a society that most families are two incomes being forced into sort of a situation of being one income and then moving around a lot and trying to withstand all of these stressors. And often for military families, you have one parent who's sort of doing the job of both parents. Um, It it adds a lot of stress. So yeah, one in five are struggling to put food on the table. My gosh, that's horrible. It really is. Especially because I mean, the amount of sacrifice that the military families already have to give. I mean, so my husband's in the reserves and, you know, him just being gone for four months for boot camp and, you know, technical training and stuff, which is a really short period. Okay. Compared to a lot of other deployments and stuff that was rough. Like that rocked my boat, you know, like all of a sudden he's here available. <clears throat> he's gone. Like I, I mean, the sacrifice of these families, is huge already. And then the fact that they don't even have enough money to, to get ahead or sometimes, you know, have that food insecurity of where's my next meal coming from. Um, And it sounds like there's a lot of financial insecurity of, you know, if there's the car that breaks down or, you know, like just any other types of things that come up, like, wow, like 
my heart yeah, is going it, out to them. <laughs> exactly. And there's so many different factors. It is, you know, related to military pay, which is set by Congress. Um, so, you know, that, that phrase of, oh, well, it'll take an act of Congress to change this. No, literally, it will take an act of Congress <laughs> to change uh, the way that military pay is done. But also WIC eligibility um, changes by state. That's governed by the state. So in some states, they use what's called a housing allowance. Military pay, you have your pay that stays constant. Then they change your housing allowance based on your zip code. And I recently wrote a piece on how it's calculated, but basically it's not meant to cover all of your housing expenses. Well, some states count that money. If you think about it being in an envelope for housing, right? My housing envelope, some states count that as money that's available for food, but it's not, it's, it's housing money. It's designed to cover about 95% of your housing costs just for the mortgage or rent. Utilities, everything else comes out of their already low pay. So it creates this system of, difficulty and really barely getting by. And then sometimes you, you know, maybe you qualify for assistance, like for WIC, say in Alaska, where they don't use housing allowance and you move to another state where they do. And now you previously qualified for WIC and now you don't. And so that adds to those stressors. And then you throw in spouse unemployment, unreliable work schedules for your service member. All of those things create stress. And as a service member, you know, as the military person, if they're gone somewhere working, you know, away from home, and then they're worried about whether or not their spouse and kids are going to be able to eat, that's that's really stressful. That's not setting them up for success in their career either. So it is um, a problem. It's something that I do all of my volunteer work geared towards food insecurity. And I love what I do. I love speaking on behalf of these families. And we've also gone through a season as a young family of economic insecurity. When I moved to a lo remote location and we had student loans to pay off and all of a sudden I had two young children, was not able to work in my current location. And we were struggling. I remember at one point, this was like the lowest point. I went to a, a spouse auction and, you know, people brought things and auctioned them off and it was a fundraiser. It was really fun. And I bought like a group yoga class for like four people. Right. And my, my girlfriends went in with me and I was just the one who, who swiped the card that day, who wrote the check. Right. And I wasn't worried about getting the, the $25 from these three other women. And fast forward to that weekend, I needed to get groceries and I had $27 in my checking account. I was almost 30. I had an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree. My husband had a bachelor's degree. We were in the military and I still was like, oh my gosh, how do I buy groceries for my family of four with $27 unless I want to use my credit card? Um, and so I, I texted my girlfriends, hey, can you guys send over that money from the thing last week? And they sent it over. I didn't tell them it's because I needed to buy food for my family, but that's that's something we experience as college educated late twenties military members. And so this is something that's happening um, in 20% of military families. And when you're in it, when you're in that season, it's really overwhelming to even think of what you need next, let alone to advocate or to speak up on bigger stages. And so again, now that I'm sort of removed from that, uh, we've, we've grown out of that season of littles, um, things have stabilized with being a one income family. And now I get the opportunity to turn around and help the people coming behind me and advocate for them, be a voice for them and lend them a helping hand. So I love, I love what I do and I could talk about it all day. Oh, dude, bless you, man. That, I mean, Thank you for standing up and advocating for people that don't have a voice right now that are struggling that I know, I know what it's like to be in a season where you don't feel like you can, you know, maybe like you have young children and all of a sudden, you know, you don't know how to actually take care of your needs and, and how to communicate them and, and make time for them and have boundaries and all that kind of stuff. And so 
Um, you know, I think all we've all been in some kind of season where we've struggled to get what we need or communicate what we need. And it's people that are a step ahead that have maybe been through it that can really help someone to, to get out of that or find peace in their season as they're, as they're coming through that kind of mud, you know, trying to get through to the other side. So thank you for being willing to do that. Now, I would love for you to share with us, um, some, some ideas of like why budgeting is important, because obviously if, if someone's on a really tight income, they're going to have to be tight with their budget. So what kind of tips do you have that you share with your military families, um, about being, being on a budget? Well, you know, first of all, my background is as a registered dietitian and I specialize in pediatric and family nutrition. So this is my educational background, right? Um, so there was a season where sort of my experience and my education weren't lining up and then sort of, you know, my, that light clicked on like, wait, Heather, you know, a lot about this. Like, why don't you use your training? You know, but I was in that overwhelm and didn't even know where to turn. Like, I don't even know what the problem is or how to solve it. So as I've been able to blend those two, my experience with my family and my expertise, Um, one of the things I talk about a lot is budgeting and not necessarily, Hey, you can't go out to eat. Or I know, um, there's a a very popular financial counselor who, who says, you know, if you have any kind of debt, you shouldn't see the inside of a restaurant unless you're, you're working a shift there. Um, I didn't follow that method. We had six figures of student debt when we went to being a one income family and we were able to pay it off. But we also still went to Disney World, right? So there's this balance of where, what you want your life to look like and the experiences you want for your family and what you need to make happen. So some of the things I share with my clients and the families that I work with is if you don't know where to start with budgeting, particularly in your kitchen or with your groceries, right? If you feel like every grocery trip is hundreds of dollars, you're buying the spring mix and throwing it away two weeks later. Um, You feel like there's never anything in the house, but you have so much food, you don't even know what's in the back of the pantry. You know, one of the first things to do is just to take an, an, an inventory, an assessment, look at all different aspects of your life to kind of see what where you are, right? I tell families, I act as the GPS and we have to know where you are and where you're going. And I can help you map out that, that path. But before we can get you to your destination, to your goal, we got to know where you're starting, right? So it's important to take a look around and see what am I spending my money on? What, what is my routine for my groceries? How am I planning dinners? Am I waiting until 5 PM when I'm completely mentally overwhelmed to now decide to assess the pantry and everybody's attitudes? Like no wonder we're getting Chick-fil-A every week. Right? So you have to know kind of what, what's working and what's not working in your finances, in your groceries, in your routines, um, in all different aspects so that you know what parts of it you want to change, which is why budgeting is so important. You have to know kind of what you're already doing. You can do that through Excel. You know, you can enter stuff in, you can do a paper planner method. Um, there's apps that you can get that will literally go into your bank accounts or your credit card statements and track it for you and put it in a beautiful pie chart. And you just sign up and you do all your logins and then it tracks everything and says, Hey, Heather Campbell, did you know that you bought a $7 coffee this many times? Um, and it does the work for you. So those things usually have a small fee with them, but they are so helpful and just simplifying. So you can just see, okay, I, I want to be better about budgeting for my groceries. Where, where am I missing the mark? And so that's always the first place to start is look at what you're doing and what's not working. And then from there, decide what parts of it you want to change. Oh, I'll tell you, I, I go through my finances a lot where I go through like all of my statements and stuff. If you want to spank in, if you want to, if you want to know exactly where you need to tighten up, just go through your, your, you know, your statements, because 
you like you said, like, oh yeah, like a $7 coffee, like, you know, multiple times, like me and my kids, we, over the summer went and got, you know, these sparkling waters that were a dollar each. Well, with love taps those. and everything, I know they're the best. My kids um, love them. I'm with you on this one. Yeah. yeah. But we, we would get these sparkling waters, like maybe once once a week for sure, sometimes twice a week in the summer. And it was like, oh, it's no big deal. It costs us about $5. We'll be good. But then like, you know, you add that up over time and you're like, oh, <laughs> like, you know, maybe we should just stick with once a week or like, you know, every other, you know, just it, it really brings awareness to you mm-hmm. to be able to know what you're spending your money on. And if you've, if you're ever struggling with money, being able to look at, oh, this is where all my money is going. It definitely motivates you to, you know, save once and then maybe another time and then say no another time, you know? It's true. And you want to, when you're looking at those things, decide, okay, am I investing in the things that align with my family's values? right? Is it important to me that my kids and I go to, um, we ride our bikes to the, you know, we're on a small isolated base, ride our bikes to the gas station and we get sparkling waters. Do at that point, am I worried about the $5, maybe three times a week, right? I'm spending 20 bucks a week on sparkling waters, but we're spending 20 bucks a week, riding our bikes as a family, drinking our sparkling waters on a hot day, enjoying, and we're having this conversation and we're relaxing. So then at that point, is this something I want to continue to invest in, even though it's only, you know, $15 a week, is this an investment of my resources, resources, including time and emotions and energy, right? Is this something that I like investing my resources in? Cool. I'm cool with getting sparkling waters with the kids during the summer. Yeah, we're going to leave that one. Now, the late night pint of ice cream that I've bought three nights this week, you know, that add, also adds up to $20 and I'm only enjoying it myself. That might be one that I need to look at if I want to continue that habit. But all of that, when you're looking at that assessment of how to, you know, sort of budget, you have to include not just your, your money, but your time, your energy, your resources. And that's why I always share with families, okay, here's time savers too. Like we don't just need budget savers. I'm a busy mom. We've got two working parents and three school age kids. Like I need some time savers so that I can better invest my time as a resource in the things that I want to spend it on and not on the things that don't bring me joy. Oh, and I think you hit a really good point there. And I'm actually going to think about our sparkling water thing. Cause it's usually after we've done some like really fun adventure outside and it's like, it's kind of like seals the deal of like the yeah. experience. Like, this is awesome. We've had a great yeah. time. So I, you're right. It's about thinking about, does this align with my overall goals of what I want? And I love, you know, sharing that picture of you guys riding your bike. I mean, I can picture it now going through, um, you know, the Alaska roads going with all the trees and, and just the enjoyment, maybe a breeze and getting that drink. Like that is living. That is, that is where you do want to invest your money. Uh, you know, and then there's other places that maybe we could tighten things up that aren't building memories or aren't aligning completely with our priority list. Um, so that was a beautiful tip there. Uh, what, what other ways do you help military families enjoy mealtime? Cause if you're talking about food insecurity, there's a little twinge there of kind of anxiety where, you know, where does that, where does this food come from? Or, you know, is this food good enough? Is my family actually enjoying it and feeling like, Oh, I don't know if I can, you know, I want to give something different, but it's not. So how do you help families find peace 
in their food with, you know, you talk to them about the budget, um, but how do you help families find peace with mealtime? I think the most important thing is, again, you know, deciding what's not working for us and what will work. Um, maybe we're, we're all on our electronics around the TV, eating on the couch, right? And I don't want that. Maybe I want us to be eating at the table. Okay, cool. Let's make small changes. We're going to eat at the table for 10 minutes and then shift to the couch, or we're going to not have electronics and we can still eat on the couch, but we're going to pause electronics and TV for 10 minutes while we eat, right? So making those small changes between where you are now and what you want to see for your family's um, ideal time, but ultimately helping families create that idea of what they want it to look like. When I think back as a kid from a certain age onward, I did so many extracurricular activities that I was, I don't remember family meals, but I remember when I was a young kid, every night was, was mealtime and coming back to that table. And there was a lot of things uh, that my parents did that I don't want to repeat. I think we all have those things, you know, and there's a lot of things that my parents did that I'm like, wow, yeah, they really, I like that. I, that's a goal I want to have. And so with that, finding where you are and where you want to be. And if what works for you is things like ramen noodles, great. Let's dress it up. Let's put in a hard boiled egg and some mixed veggies and maybe some soy sauce. And now we've got like a whole ramen bowl thing, right? You go to fancy restaurants and, and you can get noodles and they're dressed up with vegetables and protein. Okay. Well, if that works for your family, let's dress it up. If your family really likes, um, I was talking to someone just this week about the boxed pasta salads. I think the brand is suddenly salad. I will forever sing their praises. I do not have stock options in them. I don't even know if they're a publicly traded company, but I love their product and it's a great side, you know, the little boxed pasta, but you can add, say some diced lunch meat, cut up some lunch meat that you have in the fridge, put in some cheese cubes, put in some fresh veggies, maybe do half of the, the dressing with mayonnaise and add in some Italian dressing. Now you've got what was a side item is this big bowl, perfect for summer, perfect for camping. And now you can make this really, really easy meal that your family happens to love using the things that you know your family already likes. And just sort of what can we add to it rather than, oh, you need to stop these habits. What can we add to what you're already doing to help align you with your budget goals, your time goals, and ultimately the goals that you have as you build the foundation of your family in creating a table that you want want your family to come back to your spouse, your significant other, your children, you want them to come back to the table. If they're having a bad day, you want your kids to talk to you about it. You want your spouse to tell you the stressors you want them eventually to, to launch, right. To leave your home and to come back on holidays and think of coming back to mom's table. And so if that's the memory and the experience you want to create for your family, what do I have to do now with my five-year-old? Who's the most defiant person I've ever met in my life. How do I cultivate a relationship with her and a mealtime with her that will set us up for success that she wants to actually hang out with me someday when she's free to not ever hang out with me again. So those are the things you have to think about when you're trying to create those mealtimes together. I love that. Well, and I think the cool thing too, is you kind of hit on like an empowerment thing for moms of that. They get to choose what environment they're creating and that what they're doing right now is like something they can build upon instead of saying, oh, you have all these horrible habits. You should just get rid of all of them. And here's the brand new way to do things. But no, it's where you're at right now. Awesome. Let's build upon it. Right. What do you want it to look like? And, you know, we can help you get there. We, you know, help you with different steps of, you know, deciding things or, you know, talking to friends can help open your mind to new ideas. Uh, like what do you want? And that really is empowering for mothers. 
It's true. And knowing what works for your family, right? We, I talk with a lot of moms who are dealing with picky behaviors in their kids and, oh, how do I get my kids to, to eat this? Or how do I get my kids to eat this? If anybody's listening and is dealing with this, I will tell you one thing like should just be a staple rule in every meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, every snack, always, always, always include something that they like. Do not give them a plate of a bunch of foreign, rejected, not well-liked foods and expect your mealtime to go well. You are setting yourself up for a lot of conflict. And we as moms get to intentionally choose when we enter into conflict. Perfect example. Tonight, I have a a virtual Bible study I attend um, with some friends. And that runs into the dinner hour. Well, also during that that little time block, because I'm on Alaska time. So for me, it's dinner time. For everyone else, it's evening and they've had their dinner and they're putting, you know, their spouses are putting kids to bed. For me, it's still in the, that, that witching hour. So I will be sitting on a zoom and my husband will be in charge of taking my kids to running club and also serving dinner and having it ready. I will end Bible study around the time that dinner is served tonight is not the night to serve a conflict meal. That's a bad idea. Like that's just not setting us up for, for success. And you know, those meal, those nights where you're getting home from work, you've got to feed the kids quickly. You've got to get out to the ball field. That is not the time that we're going to try to convince our kids that Brussels sprouts are a great vegetable, right? That's the time we're going to do what works, but maybe on the weekend, when you have more time at home, more time to invest in that relationship with them, that's the time that we can enter into conflict and say, okay, I'm willing to put in the brain space and the effort into this meal that I know is going to be more difficult, but on those crazy days, those aren't the days. So use what works when you need it to work and intentionally choose when you are going to enter into that conflict. And sometimes you have a plan. I'm a big believer in meal planning. Sometimes you have a plan and then it just turns to crap and the kids' attitudes are crap and my attitude is crap and we're just going to order pizza and we're going to try again tomorrow. And that is also okay. Giving yourself the permission to be the expert on your family and say, I know my family. I know our attitudes. I know our needs. And I know that doing this original plan is not going to go well. I need to do something easy and prioritize the time together tonight instead of trying to to create this difficult situation. So you're right. We do get to choose as moms, when are we going to have conflict? What do we want that routine to look like? And we get to say, okay, this routine works really great for me buying pre-cut vegetables. I mean, sure. I could buy a head of broccoli for cheaper, but I don't, I buy the bag of broccoli florets that are already chopped. And then I put them on the plate or I buy the baby carrots that all I have to do is, you know, unzip the little thingy and put them on the plate. I could buy regular carrots and peel them and chop them for cheaper. Sure. But my time is more precious at this point than my dollars. And so I use time shortcuts and I am not ashamed of it. I think that's a great opportunity for me to say, I'm the expert in my family and this is what's going to work best for us. And we're going to get these pre-made meals or we're going to get the microwave rice because I don't know how to cook rice and I need it to be able to microwave in 90 seconds. And then just owning it being like, yeah, we do. We do microwave rice. It's awesome. We enjoy our meals and moving on. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put a plug in here for mom training, um, is where we have people come in. It's like we have Q and A's and different things like that. Um, it's a a live session for people. And one of the biggest benefits of mom training is that we all get to come together and we get to share ideas that is working for us for that specific topic. And I'll tell you every single time, each person that I've talked to and myself, we've walked away with a piece of something that's going to help our lives be better in that area. And it may not be something anyone even heard in the rest of the thing, but like, oh, hey, that just triggered an idea. I'm totally going to do that. I'm going to implement that. 
And I think that's the beauty of creation. That's the beauty of being a mother is that we have this innate gift to be inspired of what exactly is best for our family and to be that expert in our family. And is it trial and error? Yes. Are we always trying to figure out new ways to, to make things flow and be better? Yes. But we have that power to be able to choose. And I, that is one of my favorite things about being a mom and gets rid of a lot of guilt, mom guilt, when we realize that we do have the freedom to choose what's best for our family. Yes. Yeah. So I, I love what you've shared today. We could continue to go on for a long time. I can tell I, I might want to bring you on again to talk about more military family stuff, because that is technically almost as you're living internationally over and over and over again and moving all over the place. It's a very different lifestyle that we'd love to learn more about here on the mom training podcast. Um, but why don't you tell everyone where they can connect with you? Uh, and, and, you know, about your, your website. And you also have a course that I know is amazing that you were wanting to share. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I do. Yes. You can find me on Instagram or on Facebook at glory nutrition. So just type in glory nutrition. Um, I think that it's a picture of my face, which is, is weird. You know, as a mom, we take pictures of everyone else. So it's weird that like, I see my face on stuff, uh, but you'll see a picture of my face there. Glory nutrition on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at my website, glory nutrition.com. So just a little dash between those words. And I do on there on uh, the website, or you can get to it through the social handles. I do have an online course. It's smarter, not harder meals. And the entire thing is designed around helping moms work smarter, not harder with their finances, with their time, doing all of the things that they need to do to get their kids to freaking eat. And so they can use their brain space on more important things in their life. So I help them simplify those meals, work smarter, not harder, and help them cultivate a life that they want to continue having and the move them towards their goals with their family. So I love that. Um, that is an eight week ish course. Some people get through it much faster uh, and go through it quickly, but all of the trainings in that are between five and 10 minutes long. So they're designed to be in those little snippets of the time that I actually get to go to the bathroom by myself or the time that I'm waiting in a doctor's office or sitting in the carpool line. Cause I find a lot of the time, uh, I don't always have 45 minutes to stream an entire podcast and I pause it and I lose my place. And so these are designed to be five or 10 minutes. If you think of a, a PowerPoint presentation, it's almost like one bullet point per training session to help keep it easy and keep it accessible to my clients, which are busy moms like myself. Oh, that's great. Well, Heather, thank you so much for sharing some of your story and some of your wisdom. I know that I've pulled some things for myself from it that I know I want to work on and make sure that I'm focusing on. So thank you for sharing your expertise and your wisdom with us. Um, and I hope ladies that you have gleaned something from this session and so Heather, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And yes, I could come on and, and talk um, for a long time. I think that's a blessing of being a military kid is I learned to make friends quickly and, and talk easily. So um, I could probably just sit here and talk by myself you know, <laughs> for an hour. So thank you so much for having me. It has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. It's been, been way fun. So ladies, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next Tuesday on the mom training podcast.